thanks guys for again being here. It was a great Easter weekend. Um, if you weren't able to be with us, we had a night of worship. Um, I mean, healings were taking place, healings of the heart, mind, soul, body, spirit. Everything was was just so incredible, the, uh, the intensity of the Holy Spirit here, but yet the softness of him as well. Um, another person had asked me, you know, what kind of, what kind of church are you guys? And I was talking to a, a guy at work, actually, who was really a, a, a Baptist and, and really came from my kind of background, actually. And, he, and I said, we're, we're Baptists without the weirdness and charismatic, or no, we're Baptists without the legalism, charismatic without the weirdness. And he goes, huh, I've never heard it quite said that way. So, you know, I said, he goes, well, what do you really believe? I said, we believe all of it. <laughs> and he's shaking his head. I've said all of it. He's like, okay, I said all of it. <laughs> I love the whole gospel, right? And so anyway, uh, we just believe that Jesus is still working miracles today. He's working in our lives. He's working in our families' lives uh, he is healing our diseases. He is doing things supernaturally throughout, even though when we don't see it, even when we know we can't fully comprehend everything, he is still working. He is still healing our lives, our marriages, our children, and uh, we're just so blessed to be a part of the family. We're blessed that you're part of the family. Whew. Thank you, Michael and team. Last week was so much fun, but I know it doesn't come without a cost, and uh, I honor you tonight, my friend. God bless you guys. It's awesome. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Everybody who had a hand in it and a feet in it as we're teaching, uh, just bless you for that. Uh, we have, uh, I have a very short scripture tonight that deals with, if I had a title, it would be the abstract part of hands and feet. The abstract part of hands and feet. The hands and feet you don't necessarily get to see, the hidden hands and feet. And it's in Luke chapter 10. Again, this is just after our first introductory hands and feet message about the Good Samaritan. I was thinking again about the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan could have been, you know, anyone that we don't agree with, anybody whose philosophy or theology or lifestyle that we don't agree with, those are the people that God is saying, I want you to go to the marginalized. I want you to go and serve and spend time with and lay hands on. Let your feet go to those people. Let your feet minister and heal up the wounds of those people that are so, so lost and so distraught and so hurting, and uh, they, don't, they don't know which way to turn. And I, and I thought about, what if we did that with a man next door to me who's trying to put his life together? We just moved in, as you know. I met this, this man. His name is Kevin, and he is, uh, I would say, probably in his late 50s, and um, I saw him. He always goes outside to smoke a cigarette, and so... When I see him out there, if I'm out there, I always make sure I go over and talk to him. I said, hey, uh, Ke tell me your story. He says, well, I was, I'm a drug addict. I'm trying to put my life back together. I'm now living with my, uh, my sister, who's like 60-something, and uh, their, their, their son just got divorced, and so he's living with them, and he has an autistic son who's living with them. As a matter of fact, they came over and said, hey, if you ever, you ever hear any screaming and a bunch of cuss words, don't worry. That's just my autistic grandson. I'm like, cool. You know, um, we're convinced there's, I don't know, some sort of marijuana thing going on because, you know, you smell Mary Jane every once in a while through the windows. And I'm like, sweet. I think God put us right where we need to be. Anyway, I go up to Kevin and, I, and, I'm, and I'm looking at his life and I'm thinking to myself, here's a 59, 60-year-old man living with his sister, no family, completely broken. What if someone along the way, somewhere, believed in him and said, I see something inside of you. Your life doesn't have to be this way. 
and someone just said, I'm going to be the hands and feet right now, and I'm gonna, I, you're not useless. You're not unworthy. You're not unlovable. You're not uh, trash. You're not throwaway. You are worthy. You are worthy of love. And Jesus is the one that makes you worthy. And I'm worthy because I'm just a razor's edge from being where you are. I mean, it's a thin veil for all of us. It's the mercy of God that stays us and keeps us in family. What if this guy never had a family? What if he never had a community? We're so, I am so quick to judge still. I'm such a freaking Pharisee still. And I look at someone like that, I'm like, what a loser. Get your life together. Come on, you're 59 years old. Why are you living with your sister? I mean, you should be on the verge of retirement. You should have your stocks all in line and your IRA all set and your, your life should be planned and ready. And what are you doing? And I felt like the Lord said, do you think it's ever too late for me? Do you think anyone is ever too late for me? Do you think it's too late for him? Who made you his creator? Who made you his redeemer? Who made you his restorer? I'm the one writing his story. I'm the one that's not done yet. I'm the one orchestrating his life. I'm simply convinced of this, that there are people just like Kevin who are 59 and 60 years old who just yet begun to live. And it's just a little bit of love. It's a little bit of encouragement. It's a little bit of hands and feet saying, I'm not going to do all the time. I'm just going to be. I need to be. That's the Samaritan. That's the ditch. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. This is just after the story of Jesus sharing this with this, with this, this crew about the Good Samaritan. And it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. Circle that. Who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Verse 40 says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Circle that. Had to be made. Remember, two weeks ago, we talked about the requirements of a Hebrew culture and what it meant for someone to invite someone into your home. Remember that? You had to wash their feet. You had to anoint them. You had to bless them. You had to kiss them. You had to prepare a meal and all these different things that they were expected. So it had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me, underline this, to do the work by myself? To do the work by myself. Tell her to help me. I think it's fascinating how she went to the, the Lord to tell her sister. To, I thought it was pretty funny. And so I was like, hey, Mary, get off your, 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 your rear end here and help me. Martha, Martha, he says, verse 41, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Circle that. Only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Only one thing is needed. The abstract law of love, the abstract feeling of hands and feet. In this verse, I would say Martha was really the hands and feet. She was going, she was doing, she was busy, she was preparing, she was doing all the lawful things. Hear me on this. She was doing all the right things, guys. She was doing, 
Mary was being. Check it out. Martha was so busy with the law, the preparations of the law, the things that, requi- that she was, as the Bible said, they had to be done, that she had to do. Mary, Martha was so busy doing that she forgot the act of being. There's an abstract law of hands and feet. Yes, they go and do. As Jesus just said, the balance has to be in there somewhere because this seems to me a very tenuous point. If, you, if stuff needs to get done, we do it. We just do it. Nike commanded us to. We must obey. Just do it. We got chairs to set up. We've got stuff to tear down. We've got coffee to set up. We've got to do it. We've got slides to show. We've got words to place. We have to do it. And yet there seems to be a tension, isn't there, between doing and simply being? I'd like to just present to you tonight that things will get done from the right posture. That the posture starts at Jesus' feet. It's funny, Jesus Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for not kissing, not anointing, not preparing because they never approached him from the right posture. See, if you can approach doing from being, if you get something tonight, get this. Doing is an effect of being. Right? We become doers because we're beers first. Beers is a word. If you're a beer first, the do will come out of your being. Does that make sense? So people, you know, Paul, you made a profound statement to me, and I I have not lost it. You said, we give because we're connected, not because we're commanded. It's the posture. It comes from being first. It comes from being love. So you love. See, I can't force you to love someone. You have to be in love first, and you have to be loved first to do love. Does this make sense? Mary's coming, the stuff would have got done and Jesus would have been tickled pink because she came from the posture of being. And what he was saying was, I'm not going to take away who she really is. I'm not going to change her identity for you, Martha, because you're so worried about doing. You need to learn to be. We, as a body, do as an effect of being. We're we're going to see things happen. Uh, I read a blog today about the church and how our community is coming together and and how without any prompting or any command or any, you know, Facebook post, people are taking care of people's children and people are taking care of meals and people are taking care of each other's needs and praying and fasting without any official, you know, announcement or fanfare or confetti. Why? Because we're learning to be first. See, from that community will come because you're already being. If I'm in a, if I'm in a relationship with you, Daniel, I'm, I'm being with you. I already know what your needs are. I want to do those needs as an effect of being your friend. We're friends of God, no longer servants. No, I don't tell you. I tell you everything. I, I tell you everything because you're my friend. I don't hide anything from you. There's no hierarchy in this thing. It's a huge circle because I'm your friend. Let me be your friend from being, doing. It's this weird backwards approach to hands and feet. 
There is a balance. There are times to do. And I love Jesus. Never, I love how he even corrects, don't you? He corrects us in a way that is so soft and tender. And he's just like, hey, Martha, just chill. I know you're following the law. And, you know, bravo. Good job, girl. I know you're doing what's amazing and you're doing what you think is right. And these had to be done. These were lawful things. But I want to shift this a little bit. I want to turn this all on its head. And I want, to, I want to encourage you to come sit down with me and just listen to me. I know that we have so many doers, Donovan, we were taught to do. I mean, that's the first two letters of your word for crying out loud, of your name, to do. We're taught to do. We're taught to, we're taught to act. You know, I grew up and you had to go soloing every Saturday. You had to run the bus every Sunday. You had to, to do, be at church every Wednesday and you had to pray and you had to, to fast and you had, and these are good things. These, these things have to be done. But it can't be from the position of a doer. Doers burn out. Come on, somebody. Doers will burn, you will burn out if you're a doer. But out of the natural affection of being, everything will get done. Listen, Everything will get done. Our, our, our youth ministry will explode. Our children's ministry, is, it's already exploding, my God. I mean, the, the, the word like, somebody, somebody who's in love with Jesus will say, man, I just have a passion for those kiddos. I'm gonna go love on those kiddos. I promise you, it will get done. Our A-type personalities, the, the box checkers, right? We're all like, oh my God, we gotta, we gotta do this and check that. And the linear thinkers are like, come on, pastor, you gotta get on the ball. We gotta rein this in. You know what the Lord keeps commanding me to do about this little church? Keep your hands off, okay? Let my people learn to be from their being, they will do. You'll have words and you'll have slides and you'll have music and you'll have everything you need if you'll come from the posture of being. It's these abstract things we don't really see a lot of, but Jesus is really more interested in, hey, how about my feet? Come sit at my feet. Come let my hands touch you. From this position, you will have everything you need. You'll have everything supplied to you. You'll lack nothing. This will be a church. I'm telling you, my friends, this will be a church that lacks nothing if we learn to come from a position of being. Look, I understand, and, I, and I, I hear your wheels turning, but pastor, we've got houses to clean, we've got jobs to work, we've got kids to feed, we've got kids to wipe, I've got kids to burp, I got, we just got kids, man. I mean, we got you know, people who are sick, people to see in ministry, people to pray for, uh, and it's constant. I promise you, that will never end. Well, it will end for some of you, eventually. And then there'll be a whole other cycle of people that are come through and like, how do I manage all this? Right? And Catherine Reyes will come up and say calmly, they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. I am Ninja Mom. My kids are amazing. Look at them. And all her kids will be like, duh, singing in a line. Like, wow, how did you do that? You didn't see that. You know, I'm just kidding. It's because we're learning to be in a position of being. It, when you can come from, and, and, and another way to say it really is a position of rest. Come on. A position of Sabbath. Start your place from a position of rest. Rest in Jesus. Rest. Take your Sabbaths. I just told Paul last week, got to take your Sabbath. Take your Sabbath, men. Take your Sabbaths with your wives. 
It's so important. Just find, drop your kid off somewhere. Hey, I just got to go. I'm just kidding, all right? You know, I heard they had a huge daycare here. You just drop them off at church. Okay, maybe don't do that. Rachel, she's a teacher. Drop off her to class. <laughs> no. What if someone, yeah, she's not laughing. Love I love Rachel. Hey, if you ever get a chance, read Rachel's stories about her classroom. They are the best. The abstract hands and feet of Jesus. Um, Harlan had told me about a, a man that he's been working with and had worked with, had the privilege of, of mentoring, discipling, being a part of his life in whatever form or fashion that the Lord allowed him to be at, at, at Discover Goodwill. And so one day I met this man and the man came up to me, his name's Roland, and he just smiled and he shook my hand and, and he just was this amazing ball of energy. You know, you tell he loved life. He loved what he's doing. He loves passion passionately. And uh, um, his story touched me so deeply. And it really led me to this, that Roland probably at some point was a product of people doing things all around him. And he got addicted. And, and, and I'm going to share, share a video here in just a couple minutes, Tim, if you're ready, um, of this story. And it's going to touch your heart. It's, it's, it's it really, truly going to touch your heart, going to change you. And I thought about Roland and how people begin to be for him. They begin to be Jesus in his life. They didn't do Jesus. They didn't whip him over the head with, with a Bible. They didn't give him a chick track. They didn't give him a flip chart. They didn't make him sign a convert card and make him throw out a million eggs in Easter time, right? They just began to be Jesus to Roland. They began to be the abstract feet and hands, if I can say that, of Jesus to Roland. I, I, I thought about this a lot, and, I, and I'm excited to share this with you guys. Harlan obviously can articulate it a whole lot better, but my, I went on the east side of town here recently on roads that I don't normally come that far east on, Barnes, Sutton Hills, North Carefree, blah, 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 blah. And I couldn't believe all the little sandwich boards, all these new church plants in, on the east side of town. I'm like, wow, this is, look at all this. There's the incline, the decline, the ascent, the descent. I mean, the, the hip-hop church, the cool church, the, the you know, you, you belong church. I'm like, dang it, that's our phrase. Gosh, dang it. I'm just kidding. Um, one, one corner even had two opposing church signs on it. Like, the, you know, this church goes this way, this church goes this way. Like, fight for that corner. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I thought to myself, is church planning really making a difference in our culture? In other words, is, if we keep planting more churches, is that really the answer? Are we, are we seeing an effective revival in our city? Is there change in our city because we're just planting more and more and more churches? I asked Jesus that. I said, Jesus, is, is, there, is there something to this? I didn't get an answer for a while. So I talked to Harlan, and Harlan shared with me this video of Roland, and the Lord said, this is your answer, you. What do, what do you mean me? No, you, you are the answer. You, if you want to see effectively, effective cultural change in your, in your city, it starts with you. It starts with your family. You pastoring this well, you pastoring that well, you pastoring that well, you pastoring this well, you pastoring that well, starts here. It starts with me, pastoring me, loving me, moving on from there. 
Look, God bless church planners. I am one. I'm, I'm not, and I'm not even coming from a critical tone here. I, I always say, hey, the emperor's naked. Let's get the brother dressed, right? Come on, let's get the brother some clothes. Uh, I just feel like we keep repeating bad habits over and over and over and over again, especially on Easter weekend, right? And I see it all over the city. And Hey, a million egg drop from a helicopter while Dumbo's flying around in circles, you know, playing a kazoo. Dude, we got to go see that, you know, and then, you know, 300 kid people show up for a million eggs. I'm like, don't we have enough stuff already? I'm sorry, I'm ranting a little bit. The Lord just kept reminding me, don't be critical, just be love, be love, be, be the answer. Harlan then shared with me this video about Roland, and it just was the answer I was looking for. He said, Roland is a byproduct of me. Someone loved him. Someone was the Mary. Someone was the Jesus. I said, Roland, sit down. We trust you. We love you. We're for you. Go ahead, David. Maybe you can dim these lights too a little bit. I'm honored that we nominated Roland Warren for the Helms Legacy Award. <coughs> he taught this professional of 20 years in retail that you got to care about people because he cares about everybody. I'm honored to know him. I know he touches our customers' lives, touches mine, and he remembers that everyone comes from a walk that is uh, different from ours, but it's worth taking a chance and a risk on somebody that deserves greater things. And Roland is that person. I always tell people, uh, you guys keep rocking because I'll always be Roland. My new job title with Discover Goodwill is the assistant manager of the West Retail Center. I've been working for Discover Goodwill for five years. The customer focus is very important to me because I like to be made to feel welcome. My mother would take my brother and I and we would have to sleep in church, motels if it's the holidays. That was about three or four times a week because my dad would come home on a complete bender and there were times we'd wake up with him just wailing on her and um, dragging her around by her hair. I had dread about my father coming home and then I had dread that I was letting my mother down and feeling like I needed to stand up for my mom, like I needed to protect my mom. And, and so it's a lot for, for somebody to deal with. And, uh, and unfortunately, when I was a teenager, I became very grateful to crystal methamphetamine because it helped me take it all away. It was my life for 25 years. I resorted to dealing. I was in jail for the 27th time and I got out. I had some friends who took me to church. I turned back to Jesus on the day of sentencing. Um, the judge gave me one last chance and instead of sending me to prison, she sent me to the Springs Rescue Mission where I was able to start a new life, um, learn new habits. I had no idea how much your subconscious thinks about all the dirty things you do as an addict and all the lies you tell. When I changed my thought patterns, I had a clear conscience. I've never slept. In 25 years, I've slept these last seven years. The last six years of my addiction, I, I wanted out and I didn't have the slightest idea how to go about changing my life. And so to be able to 
reach people who are in that situation and, and show them a way out, a way to break the cycle. I knew that I wanted a job that wasn't just gonna benefit me. When you do your research, you see that Discover Goodwill literally, we put 90 cents of every dollar spent back into our local community and I wanted that. I applied six times and it was the seventh time I applied and I got a phone call saying, hey, can you come back? We wanna offer you the position. And uh, that wasn't even the most profound moment for me. My most profound moment with the company was when they said, hey, we need to cross train you as a, a cashier. And my first thought was, I'm a six time felon and they want me to work around money. I never, never would have thought that this was possible. The, the, the growth and the achievements that I accomplished here in the company, because the company have opened those doors for me. In addition to working for Discover Goodwill, I'm also a lead volunteer at the Springs Rescue Mission. I'm a court advocate. I'm on several different attorney networks. I had over 200 men in my house that I've helped get into rehab. Discover Goodwill has helped me help other people. What I've achieved is what our company stands for. I want to thank you for supporting Discover Goodwill's mission because without Discover Goodwill, I know I wouldn't be where I'm at now and I'm, I'm in a very good place now. Oof. I think I'm going to watch that anytime I get discouraged about, you know, anything that, that, uh, um, that's really the church. That whole story was culminated by someone loving, someone taking a risk, someone taking a chance, someone saying you're worthy from a position of understanding a greater story, a greater vision, if you will. Someone had a greater vision for this man's life than he did himself. And Jesus perhaps can encourage Martha and say, Martha, I have a better thing for you to do. I have a bigger vision for you outside of what you are experiencing right now and all the sweat and the anxiety and the worry that you're feeling all the all the the tension that's in your heart i have something i have something better for you and that is to be with me i i i can't wait you know god's not done with roland he's not done with with uh several of the men that you've worked with and women you've worked with harlan and and i love i love reminding harlan that that you're probably being more effective a pastor now than ever before, without the stage and the lights and the title, and the tour bus and the mics and the, the glitzing glam, you're literally changing lives. I look at you, Rachel, and just this, this humility that comes off of you when you're working with those kiddos, just changing lives, teaching them who they really can be, any one of us has that opportunity. We've got, to, we've got to set aside the idea of what we think success looks like. Because you've all been given a measure 
of something. You've all been given a measure of grace to do something. Right now, your grace might extend to your family. Extend it. Right now, your grace might extend to every customer that comes in your chair, and every person you literally are laying hands on. Your grace comes to every person that you go out of your way to help and serve, Catherine. Every person you touch at the hospital, Carl. How are we teaching people to be? One of the biggest fallacies, I think, in our churches today is you have to do. The work of the Lord demands haste, and it demands haste now. Well, get your eschatology right first, and then you might be able to jump from a good position of being and slowing down, able to truly touch people. I don't know where all your stories are right now tonight. I know a lot of them, obviously. But who has God given you to touch and say, just be? Who's given God you the opportunity to intersect their busy life, to rescue a Roland, to come into right into the middle of their pain and say, let me enter into your pain Kevin, I'm your Jesus right now. Jesus, do we need all these church plants? I don't know. He, he didn't even answer that question. He never even answered my question, which he normally, and that's just Jesus. Let me take you to the root of the issue, Lonnie. The root of the issue is not more church plants, so stop worrying about that. The issue is, are you being the answer for me? Are you speaking on my behalf? Are you loving like I love? Are you teaching people to sit at my feet? It's so easy to get people motivated to do something for a season, but the more and more and more I spend in ministry, the more and more I realize that that's a short-term goal. And as my sister and nephew sat here last week, by the way, first time I'd had communion with my sister in like 35 years. First Easter, we figured out, first Easter we spent together since 1987. That's 30 years. And my nephew is singing and, he, and he, he's completely unchurched. He has no idea what's going on. And he comes over and puts his arm around me and he starts to sing the songs. And I'm like, dude, do you know the song? He was like, no, man, I'm just going with it. I'm just going, I'm just going for it. Dude, I love you, man. He's like, he, he's complete. I love this kid because he's looking, he's searching and he sees something here. And it was so encouraging for me. He says, oh my gosh, you guys got a good crew here. This is from a kid who's never been in church. He doesn't know church. He doesn't know the right vernacular. He doesn't know all the right cool Christianese words to say, hey, brother, well done. Boy, y'all got good community around. He doesn't know that. He just, he's just out of his innocence. Something burst inside of him. He said, man, you guys got a really good crew here. Thanks, Mo Thanks Mitchell. That means a world to me. I have a longing and a passion and a desire, I know you do too, to, to be the abstract hands and feet. I imagine someday, Harlan, when all the awards have gone and all the stuff and, the, and, and you know, then, the, and then it's just the mundane. It's the everyday. It's the correction of people. It's the discipling of people. It's the trying to help them become better leaders. It's it's all the everyday frustration of people. <laughs> and then you get a little glimpse of light and someone starts repeating back what you've taught them. Don't you love it, guys, when your kids start repeating what you've taught them? I mean, in a good way. 
Yes, I'll say it a good way. We've got a couple moments. Can I just, just hear what the body say? How are you, how are you receiving this tonight? Let me always, always, always want to open it up to what you're feeling and sensing.
Daniel. As you were talking, I was just kind of processing uh, almost a kind of a metaphor to try and remember this, you know, internalize it. And I'm a linguist by, by trade, so kind of forgive me, but I was thinking, you know, it's almost like until you be, you cannot see, let us yeah. know, what do D or D do? You know, that, that BCD thing. Yeah, wow, well, that's so, good. But, so it's in this space of just being and resting, your eyes don't even work. Like you can't see anything. And it's been, that's almost the bridge to actually go and do something. Sure. And then, I don't know why, how this exactly connects, but I was thinking of Isaiah 6 and the of the colon is yes, yeah. on the outside. Again, linguistically, B to lift by bilabial. Yeah. So in front of the mountain, and C it's slightly further back, so they dental. You've got this feel uh -huh. you yeah. turn back. And then D is palatal, which is your palate. So it's like B C D, like it's Jeez. it's this process from the lips, slightly further back, slightly further back, and it's anyway. So this was just. <clears throat> A mental image for me to remember oh, this process. Words. Anyway, I'm not sure. <laughs> it sounds really weird. I love it, man. B C D. Blown. <laughs> yeah, I don't even have anything else. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, um, I don't know. I feel like my spirit is just on fire as mm -hmm. you're talking because I feel like. The season that I'm in is where the Holy Spirit is unlocking this thing that's been in me for forever. You know, we were in ministry and we did so much doing. Sure. You know, I mean, we we did all the yeah. events and we, had the we actually oh, had sure. the I did, yeah. on Easter. Fly an elephant though? Crazy. Have you done the and, and I can't tell you that people got saved because sure. of that. Of course. But, and, and it was all well intentioned, but what was in my heart was I just wanted to love people. Yeah. And I felt like. I didn't have enough chance to do that. I didn't yeah. have enough opportunity. And now God has put me in this place where I just I feel so blessed to be to get into, to get to do what I do. I, I'm a, a counselor and I get to work with families who have children with disabilities. Sure. And they don't have to pay anything for my services. Jeez. Which means that I get to see absolutely everybody. I oh see single moms sure. in rundown apartments with bugs wow. everywhere. Oof. I see um, I see, you know, gay couples who are fostering teenage boys that nobody wants. Yeah. I'm seeing absolutely everybody, like wealthiest to the poorest, sure. everybody. And I just leave so often. I was telling Daniel last week, I just, I feel like I can't possibly be giving them as much as they're giving me. Yeah. Because I just get to go in there and hear their stories. I mean, they open up to me about things that they probably don't tell anybody else. Sure. And I just get to show them love. And I don't I don't know, but I may be the only person doing that for them. And I yeah. think it is such a privilege. And I get to walk with them in their story. And I just feel like that is what we are called to be as Absolutely. Christians. And I get to do that and get paid for it. It's just <laughs> incredible to so me. So good. It really is. Um, so good. But I feel like I'm finally at this place where it's all kind of aligning and I've been striving and yeah. trying and wanting and we were in ministry trying yeah. to sure. manufacture this sure. and now taking us out of ministry has presented the, the greater opportunity for me to be Jesus. Yeah. It's pretty love how God's plucking people and it's not not just happening here by the way I just was on a conversation call with uh, Joe Courtney today as many of you know and he said um, he was speaking with a, a friend of his who was at a mega church in Virginia and 
big worship leader and, and had just gotten burned out, right? Because he was doing, 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 doing. Uh, production after production after production after production after production. It's funny how we even call it production, right? It was like, what happened to worship and service? And, and also production. And so they're doing these massive productions. And he comes and he, he's sharing with Joe this story. And he's, you know, his family's a wreck. How many of you know, you can't have two mistresses. Come on, guys. You can't, you can't serve ministry in your family. You just can't do it. Men are cheating on their wives all across America with a little lady called ministry. And she is destroying homes like crazy. The ministry done right, obviously, is healthy. I digress. The guy was tucking in his little toddler, and he felt like the Lord said, I want you to plant a church. So he's sharing this with Joe. And Joe's like, stop right there, bro. First of all, what circumstance were you under when the Lord told you to plant a church? Because I was tucking my kid in. He goes, think about the context of what the Lord just told you to do. Pastor your family. He's not talking about planning a church. Don't plan a church. He goes, go get a nine to five and go love on your family. Go, go, go gather some seats somewhere so you can pay your bills and pastor your family. So many times we want to jump back into that performance stage. And, and I'll admit it, when I, I drove by Banning Lewis, there must have been a million and a half eggs in a, in a 20 acre field with tons of kids bouncing all over the place, you know, with their heads popping off and you know, parents are chasing them all over. I'm like, oh man. And it's like for a millisecond, I went, oh man, I'm like, oh man. <laughs> After all the pomp and circumstance, and again, there's no criticism here, you understand? Because to your point, I think they're coming out of a true heart. They want to see, they want to reach people. They, this is what they know. This is what people know to do in America. It's a one-up last year. We have to have an elephant this year. And, you know, seriously, there was a pastor in California brought an elephant down the stage so he could somehow tie that into Jesus' resurrection. I don't know how I did it. I spit peanuts at people. I don't know. Um, <laughs> here's what blew my mind. After all it was all said and done and all the art signs were taken down, you know where they all were? They were in the garbage can. All the art signs and all the million... <laughs> million egg Easter hunt were folded up and all stuffed in garbage cans. And it just was so surreal to me. I thought, until next year. And then we do it all over again. I, I might be more convicted about this than I've ever been before in my life to be able just to sit with people, have coffee, Mark, and listen to their story. One at a time. That's the better thing. Kevin, Sage. You were kind of going over the whole being and enduring thing. And it brought to mind something I heard years ago. I hadn't thought about this. And then he tied it right up and he said, because we've all received a measure of grace. And one of the definitions of grace and I embraced some years ago, like something like this, that God's empowering presence in your life to be what he's called you to be and to do what he's calling you to do. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure when I heard that, it was the other way around. It was mm -hmm. really to do. Do, yeah. But now when I think of it, I'm going to put it in the other way around. Yes. The doing has to come out of Yeah. Um, Thing it ties in with other things that we've been hitting on in the last month or so. In other words, we 
we can't do unless we are. Right. We have to be first. Yeah. We have to, it, it's the same thing as saying, I can't really forgive somebody until I've received my own forgiveness. Yeah. I can't, and somebody else brought this up, you know, in the last line. You can't really love until you've been loved, or really have to learn to love yourself. You can't yeah. that. All of these things are tied together. Like there's an order. Everything in decency and in order. The order is this first. Otherwise, this is fruitless. Yeah. Out here, the doing is fruitless. If like do things without love, you can make a lot of noise. You're finding the bottom of the Sure. Sure. And I think it's being impressed upon us how we're really going to be effective with the time we have, however much that is. Yeah. Is going to be to get this straight. Don't rush off and try to make everything happen. It won't work. You wind up coming back to square one. Square one is. And we have, it's almost like we really have to be reminded over and over again because our tendency is to run off. I got it now. Now I'm really going to do it. Yeah, and yeah. And then we smash it right into another wall. Yeah. And God said, no, okay, we'll pick up the pieces again. Mm-hmm. Put you back here. This is where you are. This is where you belong. This is yeah. where you be. Yeah. And like that, I'm going to do it. It's good. It's funny how even the Lord, the, the law first mentioned, as I know you all know, because it's sort of Jewish uh, vernacular. Um, the, the first purpose or the first mention of something, law first mention, is how the rest of the story goes. So in other words, when God describes something for the first time, that's how he wants it to be to be for the rest of the time. And Kevin, as you were talking, uh, Genesis 1, 9 says this. I'm sorry, Genesis 1, 7. The Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. It's, it's the first time that word was mentioned, and so from there, we need to realize that Adam never even did anything until he first was a being. He had to be first. And in this case, our being is sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha, I think, guys, Martha was probably everything you just described, right? The helicopter, the egg drop, the, we're doing good things, right? We're doing the law. We're doing, we're practicing what we know to do. And just somebody needs to say, whoa, Martha, 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 you're so worried if there's enough eggs. You're so worried if there's the helicopters will drop in the right place. You're so worried if anybody's going to show up. You're so worried if the signs are in the right strategic positions. You're so worried about your marketing plan. You're so worried don't worry, this is where I want you. Grab a ball of love, go play catch with somebody. Go foster somebody, go love on somebody. Go be Jesus to someone. Rich. Uh, as I'm sitting here processing this, I kind of realized that uh, anyone who knows me knows that I'm typing. <laughs> um, and so I'm sitting here like, Absorbing it and thinking, yes, this is good, and then being type A about how to approach it. Yes, yes. Everyone um, has their own personalities by doing that. Yes. In mind of what Richard Rohr, I listen to Richard Rohr, and he's kind of talking about personalities. He's like, 
you'll try to fix yourself, but in your way that you do everything. Of course, right. Kind of deal. So um, it just kind of hit me. And I was just like, all right, I just need to let myself go and just ask the Lord, show me how to be. Sometimes I, if I don't know. Sure. So this good. I love that. I, I'm glad you brought that up. I was hoping somebody would take Martha's side. Yeah. Like, I know Teresa would. I mean, my wife is you. She yeah. is... I kind of, like, at the beginning, I just wanted to defend her. I'm like, no, Martha's... Yeah, Martha's <laughs> right. She's rocking. Right? And she was. That's right. But I want, I want to make sure that we get that point across. That there are... There, we need the flag waivers, right? Yay! Yay, parade walker! Woo! We love you! But, but there's, there's... In context, there's got to be some sort of balance there. And that's the tension. Because my wife would defend her just like you are. Hey, no, we gotta get stuff done. We got dishes to wash. We got, and I'm always like, babe, we'll get them tomorrow. Come on, let's just get by the bonfire. Come on. No, it's gotta be done. If it doesn't get done, it'll never be done. I promise it will get done. I hate something like Mark. Yeah. I love it. Thanks, Rach. I think it's this journey of like, <coughs> do you have trust versus do you not trying to step back? Yeah. Being this entrepreneurial culture, the startup culture that I'm trying to engage with, that I love, and I didn't know why it is, but there's this mentality of just get stuff done, just get stuff done. Sure. And you know, it's not ministry, it's just business, um, but it's the same mentality. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think the big thing is just, yeah, I think taking those moments to say, okay, God, I'm going to Actually, like, trusting you to get this done. Yeah. Or am I just trying to make things happen? Yeah. I'm trying to do it all. I'm going to build this thing and enable it to be successful. It's like going to be, you know, I don't know. It's just, it, it is this, like, tension. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. It's hard because it's like, you know, I know I've got to take care of my family. I've got to pay those. I feel like I'm getting this vision and stuff. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. It's just really just in, like, six months or something. Yeah. Sure. It's so crazy. Yeah. Well, Paul. This wouldn't have been a story unless Martha was overwhelmed. Mm. I mean, if just Jesus had showed up, she could have taken care of the kitchen. You know, Jesus and 12 disciples. Yeah. Everybody else in the room. Yeah. And now she's going, okay, I can't do it all by myself. I really need somebody else to help me. I was like, I can't get it done. Yeah. If it was only one person, she'd go, yeah, I can get it all done myself. I can depend on me to do it. So it's the overwhelmness that she's experiencing finally where she's got more work than she can handle and make it happen that causes the tension. Yeah. It wasn't tension, so she was overwhelmed. But we don't often realize, we don't see our over, being overwhelmness in the day to day stuff. Yeah. That we, we, we think, oh, I can handle it all today. And we don't ever sit down and just reflect. Wow. That's, good. That's really good. David, thank you, Paul. Something I was getting from this is, um, you know, Mary, it uses three words to describe her distracted, anxious, 
and uh, Martha, sorry, uh -huh. distracted, anxious, and troubled. Uh -huh. And in the ESV, it's interesting because she's trying to, she wants to serve, I want to serve you, I want to serve you, instead of letting herself be served. It reminds me of when Jesus went to wash Peter's feet. Peter, yes. And he's like, you don't need to wash my feet. And he's like, well, you need to let me serve you. Hands and feet, hands and head, everything. Yeah. And, and what, what popped out to me, ESV says, um, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And what popped into my mind was the good portion, like, if you're looking at, like, a portion of a cow or a pig, what, what part do you want to uh -huh. eat? What's uh -huh. the good portion? And, you know, it's like the difference between ground beef and top sirloin steak. Yeah. Like, Jesus is saying, like, what she's receiving, she's getting the good portion. Yeah. What you're getting is, you're, what you're doing is still valuable, but it's not, you're not going to get the meal that she's yeah. getting unless yeah. you can stop. Yeah, that's good. And I like uh, the phrase that maybe you guys can help me. The, the phrase that triggered, or kind of tripped me up tonight was, this will not be taken away from her. As if it could be. Or as if what Martha was doing will be. Go, Mark. Well, I think of like, I don't know the way this is. It's something that Paul says, but he is talking about basically all the things that you build. Okay, okay. It's like the wood and the hay and the stubble. Okay. And then there's the, like, I don't know. The gold and the pure, yeah. So it's like, you know, at some point, some of the stuff is going to burn up. You know, it's rebuilding. If I build a business, that's going to end. Yeah. Um, if I build love, if I build like, you know, a relationship with somebody that I'm working with, yeah. if I go into someone's life, if I find out of what's going to work, then that's, that's all stuff. Yeah, that's eternal. Yeah. That's really good. That's a really good perspective. Anybody else on that? Same thought? Paul, please. Another part of the thread was. He's not in the universe. Yeah. He doesn't have a need. Right. I'm going to somehow, I have to get be busy. Right. Like, he can't, he can turn water into wine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what am I running around trying to think, i got to do all this stuff. Jeez, that's good. Wow. That's why I said, you know, Mary, her the better part. Yeah. Just being. Yeah, being. yeah. Because I'm not going to always be here physically. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm here now. Soak in that. That's good. Rather than raise the curtains and yeah. napkins. And yeah, yeah. Get all, the, get all the law right. That's what I kept seeing too, was representation of she was doing all the law. Doing She was still in the law, and Jesus was bringing all the grace. Carl and Daniel. I think I was kind of going there, but you know, she's following the law. She's doing everything right. She's, yeah. she's doing everything she, she's she's taught to do to in order to fulfill the law when Jesus yeah. is saying, I am the fulfillment I am the fulfillment of the law. I am here. I am the one that the law is purposed for. Dang, dude. You know, yeah. stop. Right. You know, it's kind of a foreshadowing of what he's about to do. Absolutely. He is just going to abolish that law and he's going to say, you do not have to follow this. Yeah. Like, Come and sit at my feet. Come yeah. and sit, sit at the yeah. my cross. Come and sit. Just be. Just be. Just be. Love it. Daniel. Something Kevin said a minute ago about, um, I don't even remember exactly what I said, but 
because it goes, takes me back to you know, the greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I think the epidemic of our age is that people do not love themselves. Yeah, of course. They do not know themselves. They do not know how to be in themselves and therefore they just keep doing it. Yeah. So there's this, they're starting at B it'll take them a whole lifetime and beyond to get to Z and then background. Yeah. You know, and they'll never get there. And it's this, we cannot, when we try to go be hands and feet and love people, we can't unless we love ourselves. So, so good. You know, to so your point, your BCD referring to the lips again, if it starts in the back, it's in like bile and acid and it doesn't taste good. You're trying to reverse the process. It'll never work. It doesn't taste, it doesn't, it's not honey on the lips. It's yeah, not, it's no way no stuff coming up from here. It's yuck, yuck. All right. Um, that's so good. I'll never, I'll never forget that. Sweet as honeycomb, as sweet as the lips and taste and taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste it. He's sweet. Uh, it's 805. I know kiddos are probably hanging from the chandeliers and, uh, we're just going to let you go. So Josiah, would you pray for us tonight? Would you close us in prayer?